0: Welcome to the Spawn Chunks episode number 110. Whoa. For Monday, October 12th, 2020, my name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as the Netherite Pixel 4000.
1: Hello, sir. <laughs> the Netherite Pixel 4000 is what I will end up calling my computer one of these days, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound a little bit more technological advanced than me having blown up half of the Nether in search of this stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. What we've been talking about so far, though, in the Render Distance, the pre-show conversation you can listen to if you are a patron of our podcast, is Computer Setups is blustery weather, and all kinds of things in between. Uh, You can get that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks if you join up to be a patron. Any uh, tier of access gets you access to the render distance via the Patreon RSS feed. So, Joel, what have you been up to in Minecraft this week? We're kind of on the come down from the Minecraft live experience, but I'm sure the gears are now turning in various people's heads and inspiration is drifting back into Minecraft. So what's new with you? I didn't get a lot done because uh on the tail of the
0: minecraft live coverage the minecraft live episode we did plus my own podcasting and the admin stuff that happens at the beginning of the month i just didn't have a lot of time to play Uh anything during the week however i did have a really chill time uh working on the roads in the player arrival area in the medieval fantasy realm on uh on the server and it was good because the the planning part had already been done I had mapped out the path of the road but what was not done was the texturing I had just temporarily put coarse dirt down and just was say I'll come back to this later and so this weekend was me finishing up the textures and I really got a lot out of it 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 was a little bit different I tried to just not do what I've done before I tried to add in some like muddy patches um using some acacia uh some gravel which I I neglect as a as a cool road texture for like broken down stone Mm -hmm. yeah and uh the idea was to try and pepper it so that i was spending all this time in in an attention to detail but that the idea was that you're not going to notice the detail when you walk over it like i kind of wanted it to be just like eh, you're just not going to notice it when you're walking over it and i think i think it worked out pretty well um fun trick i also like to use um because i find a frustrating part of doing road textures in minecraft is that they they don't have a geometric edge right you usually unless you raise the road on purpose if you're doing a road that's supposed to be kind of flat with the ground it can be very very flat and it just feels very kind of day one minecraft so one of the tricks that i like to use is just throwing in a stair block every once in a while along the edge of it to just kind of make it feel like it actually has a geometric you know model edge to it yeah um and uh and then lastly the um just how much you can add to a road by putting couple of fences in a bush you know a strategically placed tree Uh, and it wasn't a custom tree i just kind of like grew a couple of trees in, in minecraft natively until i got the one that i wanted uh and and added a root to it like just little things like that just enough to kind of guide the player to like have their gaze turned to the right so all the things are on the left hand side of the road. And so it kind of makes you look at them but then steer your character towards the right which gets you to look at the bridge which is where i want you to go so i'm just trying to have that kind of like level design game design mentality when i do this kind of stuff and uh, it worked out really well and it was fun the the thing that i do forget about this is like you know texturing the road and doing the trees and the bushes and stuff it was like a three-hour stream <laughs> yeah (laughs) i mean i'm slow anyway but it really did take that long
1: (laughs) yeah the trial and error process of doing stuff like that and just kind of taking out one block here and there just to kind of swap things around and see how it looks does take much longer than you ever expect and it's been one of the pitfalls of doing a long-term series like the one i have where if i get stuck into building i will you know, while away three or four hours and then realize, wait a second, I haven't been doing any of this for like a tutorial or anything like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it it certainly takes a long time, but streams are good for that. I feel like streams are good for like the the busy work side of things. And this definitely looks like it's coming together pretty well. I like the the stair detail as well. It sort of implies like maybe there's like a little bit of a a drainage ditch sort of thing off to one side or gutters just to kind of let the Mm. water run away from the road a little bit. And it sort of, yeah, implies that slightly cambered road where it's, you know, if you look at roads in the real world, they are, you know, they're not entirely flat most of the time, like they are ever so slightly curved so that the water will run off to the sides and into drains. And so that's what you end up getting the illusion of when you start adding in stairs like that. So it, it works. It makes a lot of sense. Thanks. Yeah, no, I had I had a lot of fun doing it. And, and that's the thing
0: with um, doing it live. Like you said, on stream, you can kind of take your time. It was really cool having some suggestions from people. And, and we were talking about like where I was trying to put the wear pattern. And somebody was suggesting that, you know, the, the wear pattern should have been more down the middle. And I was thinking like, well, actually, I want it to be considered a two-way like road. So I wanted it to have pattern wear patterns on the, the left and the right you know not just right down the middle so it felt either like wagon tracks or you know something like that so it just looked like it had you know traffic on it yeah um i'm not happy with the the lampposts there's really not much you can do (laughs) with the current minecraft blocks for for medieval lampposts the you get i get frustrated with like certain sub blocks not connect connecting to other sub blocks and uh so the way that i wanted to do it it wasn't going to work with like fence gates and things because you can't hang lanterns from fence gates only fence posts and so it just starts to look a little bit too odd. But um, I'm looking forward to doing more roads in more developed cities and towns where I don't have to have like grassy patches on the side Like we can actually do maybe even on purpose do st- like stair gutters and-, and things like that, which would be really, really cool. Um, I really enjoyed some of the conversation in the chat about uh, keeping organized because people were just like, God, I wish I was as organized as you in, in your ender chest. And so I used the Shulker Box tooltip Uh, mod that I have installed um, which just lets you peek inside shulker boxes to do a quick little not so much a tutorial but just like a quick little share on how I have my ender chest organized and what's in every box and I've got some duplicates and it's more about like you know well, this landscape box yes it's got logs and dirt and grass and stuff in it with some other stuff but it's, it's just that's the one box you can take out when you need to do a quick little bit of landscaping. And it was fun to kind of communicate that and give people ideas and, and hear about what other people had in their
1: ender chests in the chat. So that was fun, too. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to? I'll tell you what's in my ender chest right now. It's a shulker box that is two-thirds full of netherite ingots. Um, my my ancient debris count uh, for the netherite beacon project has just hit 4,000. Uh, I did two streams yesterday, actually. One in the morning, one in oh, on the wow. evening. Uh, just to to cover my usual time slot, because that's when a friend was going to be visiting. And so, yeah, I ended up gathering nearly four or five stacks yesterday. Um, of of ancient debris itself and then smelting all of that down into netherite you realize how little you've actually got but that's still like you know four stacks of debris is a stack of netherite ingots which amounts to all of about five blocks of netherite so still still a long way to go but we are on the downhill at this point and it's it's definitely feeling like the end is in sight which is fun and just just seeing the sheer amount of it in one place is pretty great um don't lose that shulker box somebody on somebody on twitter was joking around about like oh you did you know that if you throw a shulker box with netherite into lava or fire or whatever oh. it doesn't burn and you know i am smart enough of course to understand that's not how it works but that yeah. led to sliced lime uh replying to that with a bug report from the mojang bug tracker which actually has that listed as a bug and so from what i understand maybe a solution to that could be if you chuck a shulker box into fire and it's got netherite items or ingots or something in it, then the shulker box can be destroyed, but it drops the netherite items out of it in the same way that it would if you break a, a standard chest. Oh. Um, so, so it's not going to be like, it can't be exploited in the way that if you put a netherite ingot in every shulker box, then all of your shulker right. boxes are now fireproof, right? But it, right. It, it could be that, you know, the shulker box itself disappears, but out pop the items that are fireproof and and that's how you preserve that stuff they are apparently treating that as a bug that has a solution in the works so we will see Um, (laughs) some people are saying yeah 116.4 is one of the the items on our um our news a little bit later and that might end up being a fix that arrives in that but as of yet i don't think it has been actively worked on it's just been noted as a bug that needs fixing at some stage Um, outside of that I have been attempting to reproduce a lush cave in Minecraft 1.16 because you know we were both very enthusiastic about the lush cave in the last episode and on the the live stream when Minecraft Live was happening and I, I was really taken by the aesthetic of them obviously having that kind of lush green color underground is quite desirable and it's certainly not the first time that people have tried to you know you know coat a cave with plant life and make it a little bit more kind of overgrown but i decided to give that a try with the blocks and stuff that we have in 116 and so instead of spore blossoms i'm using um pink glazed terracotta because it has that kind of um Floral petal kind of pattern on it. Yes, I was using yeah. one of those to represent a spore blossom and just kind of surrounding it with trapdoors to look like the petals of a plant. I can't really do anything about there being particles in the air and stuff, but I was messing around with using green wool and green concrete powder instead of the moss and having green wool carpet instead of the moss carpet and just working in a few details of it here and there to add to the museum exhibit that's all about plants and flowers because I wanted to still tie it into some progress on this museum project. Especially now, I'm reconsidering whether I'm going to keep this world around when 117 actually comes out because it's going to make a lot more sense to restart a lot of worlds when 117 actually arrives because of all of the new terrain generation and whatnot. So, I'm thinking this museum needs to get finished, but let me try and sneak in a couple of references to the Caves and Cliffs update before that. And I'm quite happy with it, actually. I will put a, uh, a picture of that in our discord show chat but it's also the survival guide episode for today and yeah i was pretty happy with the way that all came together
0: i saw the thumbnail um which i think is maybe this image as well uh this morning i didn't have a chance to to watch it yet but yeah no that it just it um especially with the ferns like the two high
1: ferns like it really starts to feel uh, it it evokes the mood at least i think yeah, yeah 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 for sure Absolutely. And, and you can work in little grass blocks here and there to put the actual plants on because it seems like the moss carpet is going to be something that grass and other plants can still grow out of uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought you know the, the one thing I think that was really difficult to reproduce was the vines that have glow berries on because we don't really have anything like that that is still green mm-hmm. right now so I was just using oak leaves and jungle leaves for that but you couldn't get the same glowing effect so I was trying to conceal torches here and there hiding a little bit of lighting that kind of stuff it's not looking too bad though we've got a little bit of bamboo in there as well and all in all it just generates the the same sort of feeling and it's going to look so much better once we actually have the real thing but I thought it was nice as a, a kind of biome simulator as it were in the museum
0: cool uh moving into the news do you want to split this up maybe you can take the uh the the tweets and whatnot and i'll I'll come up with the mob vote stuff
1: yeah in in the wake of minecraft live we actually have a few clarifications and extra stuff from the minecraft team uh just clarifying a few uh features and things that people had a couple of questions over that they could answer immediately that just wasn't addressed in the main show but first of all uh adrian ostergaard on twitter all of the links to these will be in our show notes on thespawnchunks.com uh Adrian Ostergaard has confirmed that Minecraft 1.16.4 is on its way, uh, saying, I assume all of you are curious as to when the 1.17 snapshots will begin, but before we start releasing those snapshots, we plan to release 1.16.4. This will be a small update that does not contain any gameplay features. So pretty much just bug fixes and tweaks here and there. Uh, Outside of that, uh, Lady Agnes tweeted a couple of things, uh, including looking for feedback on features of the Caves & Cliffs update. Uh, In particular, copper has been Lady Agnes's focus, uh, saying that they were seeing questions about if you can make copper stay in a certain state, and yes you can. So if you really want a copper block to be copper orange or semi-green forever, then there will be a way to achieve that. She also asked uh, people to give a bit of feedback on how long they think the oxidation process should take, saying we really want it to take a long time for copper to oxidize in Minecraft. I'm curious, approximately how many Minecraft days do you think there should be between each oxidation state of the copper block? Which seems like there are two or three of those before it turns that full verdigris green. Um, Last of all, uh, King B-Dogs confirmed on Twitter that Skulk sensors will not be triggered by Rain, the Warden, or each other and this was an interesting clarification because in the live show i kind of thought that the skulk sensors producing sound meant that they could kind of bounce the sound back and forth but uh a couple of tweets from king b dogs here which i'll read in sequence Uh, We made the design decision for skulk sensors to not be affected by ambient weather like rain. My logic for this is habituation, where the skulk sensor essentially becomes used to the constant stimulus, no longer registering it as a vibration. I think this could be a really unfun mechanic if rain can suddenly mess up your redstone contraptions. This is also why skulk sensors don't react to each other or the warden, since they're so accustomed to the vibrations of their species that it's just background noise that they block out. And I think that's quite a uh, a useful feature. We'll get into Skulk Centres a little bit more, either in this episode or in future, because I'm sure there will be plenty of occasions to uh, deep dive some of this. Uh, outside of that, Joel, how about we, uh, we talk about some of the stuff that we didn't cover in our Minecraft Live recap last week, because we spent the entire time, more or less, talking about the Caves and Cliffs update, but there was a lot of stuff besides that.
0: The first of which is the... Uh... The mob vote. We we touched on it very briefly. Uh, I think the uh, glow squid got a, a side mention at one mm-hmm. point, uh, but the moon bloom, a uh, moo Excuse me, fell behind the first vote with uh, eight hundred and thirty seven thousand people voting. The results of the first vote were glow squid thirty six point nine percent, ice oliger thirty four point eight, and the Moo bloom was at twenty eight, losing out. The final vote came down to the ice oliger and the glow squid with seven hundred and forty thousand people voting. Uh, notably less than the um, the first vote. Uh, and the Glow Squid rose to the top with 52% of the vote between the two, uh, Ice Holder and Glow Squid. And we'll talk about the Glow Squid a little bit later in this episode. In Minecraft Dungeons, we have cross-play between Windows, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PS4 coming in November, 2020. I thought it was December, but it could be November. Um, pre- presumably through the uh, Microsoft account, in the same way that Minecraft Bedrock Edition currently allows. The DLC for uh, Minecraft Dungeons is going to be called Howling Peaks, and in a Windows Central article we have a little bit more information about that. The New Mountains regions which use wind for various mechanics as an obstacle for puzzle solving and for transport. Ravagers are introduced as enemies alongside a new Ilger mob called Wind Callers which use wind-based attacks. Uh, a new golem-like mob, possibly a boss, is seen in the title art. Uh, this was, I think, from our show notes from last week. I believe from the Minecraft.net article that uh, is a summary of Minecraft Live. The Tempest Golem is the name of the, the boss in, the, in that fight. Uh, Howling Peaks will also be our first experience of goats since it should be released uh, before the end of 2020 and I'm pretty sure that it's coming in December uh, as per the article Mm -hmm. Uh, the free update all players get access to an apocalypse plus setting which allows the game to scale difficulty up beyond what we currently have I think you're crazy Uh, (laughs) a set of 20 new difficulties available beyond the current peak the level cap on player equipment will rise with the increased difficulty. And of course, future DLC, a montage of clips from the future updates showed Minecraft Dungeons levels themed around Nether, Oceans, and The
1: End. Exciting times. Um, I think I touched on this briefly last week, but one of the other things on Minecraft Live was uh, the announcement trailer for Steve and Alex being added to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the uh, popular Nintendo Switch crossover fighting game. Uh, So there are a couple of videos for this, there was an initial announcement trailer, and then um, we got a minecraft.net article linked in it as well, and there was also a really detailed breakdown by uh, the developer of the game, Mr. Sakurai, uh, who kind of broke down all of the different moves because in the Smash community I expect this is pretty important for players to understand how these different characters are going to play and how they're going to be able to counter certain fighting strategies from uh, other characters. So uh, Minecraft characters and mechanics have now been added to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, An announcement trailer went live on October 1st. It caused a temporary Twitter outage as fans shared excitement for Steve and Alex being added as fighters. It genuinely did break Twitter for a second there, which was pretty fun. Um, And in a follow-up presentation before Minecraft Live... Uh, Sakurai Masahiro gave a pre-recorded explanation of how the new fighters would work and how many of the game's battle arenas have been redesigned to incorporate new mechanics like mining for resources and placing blocks. Uh, Smash Bros Ultimate supports up to 8 players, so Steve and Alex have 3 alternate character skins, which will probably look familiar to console players, Uh, and there are zombie and enderman variants for player 7 and player 8 to fill out the roster uh smash bros also has a group of characters called me fighters which can be reskinned skinned in various ways and those now have minecraft skins based on the creeper the pig and a suit of diamond armor which looks pretty funny when it is kind of disembodied like that uh last but not least we have a brief note here about minecraft the mountain which was also announced at minecraft live this is a follow-up novel to minecraft the island from the same author max brooks and uh, it's available for pre-order, I think, now, but it's going to be published in early 2021.
0: I... The- the- these Minecraft novels always pass me by.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it-, it is understandable, really, because I don't think, as adults, we're necessarily the target demographic. Um, I've been reading a bit of Minecraft the Island because I was sent a copy along with some of the other pre-Minecraft Live goodies that uh, the Minecraft team sent me, and yeah, it's, it's very much like a, a kind of teen like an early teen book uh Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it is going to resonate with minecraft players who just enjoy people reacting to the early game experience you know if you've ever watched like somebody playing minecraft for the first time it feels very much like a novelization of that and people kind of figuring out how the rules of this new world work and it's it's very strange because it's all told in first person and some of the ways that he describes game mechanics, like opening your inventory, have to be related to the actual experiences of a human being, which is very odd. Um, and I've only read the first few chapters or so and yeah, it's it's not the kind of thing that I could really get super stuck into, like it's it's fairly light as far as... Like adult reading goes, but I think for kids who are into Minecraft and parents who are looking to get their kids reading instead mm-hmm. of spending all of their time on screens actually playing Minecraft, then I think it's a really good thing because I think it'll be a very accessible book for kids who want a Minecraft experience without being in front of it and controlling it themselves.
0: I and please feel free to correct me, listeners at uh, Spawnchunkmail at gmail dot com. But I would think that um, a Minecraft comic would be up there because of how visual Minecraft is you know like with with all the stuff that goes on you you'd be I'm surprised there's not like a Minecraft comic but I'm
1: wondering if maybe it's just that it's just a pain in the butt to draw with I all think, the hard edges I think in the early days of the show we did cover a Minecraft graphic novel that came out a while ago um but I don't recall exactly what the details are of that or if it ever got continued in any form so maybe one yeah. worth checking out if you're into yeah more of the graphic novel style of stuff
0: uh, for me in terms of the news coming in from caves and cliffs from from the developers i like that we can now confirm that the copper blocks are going to be something you you can control yes smart that mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense uh, especially if it's something that you can pause somehow like uh, it, creating some game mechanics and this is me speculating but if it still has to be aged naturally outside then you have to like watch it like a crop you know yeah and and once it gets to the stage that you want it at that point you then have to do something to it or somehow you know however whatever mechanic they want you to implement to keep it that way you'd have to time it right so you'd have to remember to go back before your copper turns all green if you don't
1: want it green if you want it some point in between and depending um, on what uh, time window they decide on that you might have quite a decent amount of time to do that but mm. considering that several days and nights are going to pass on multi Player servers if you leave your copper lying around and you don't make sure it's like paused in whatever state it is you could come back to it looking completely different the yeah, next time you log into the true. server if if people are loading the chunks that you're in or whatever then yeah it could be uh, could be very different i uh i really enjoy the high res look at the copper texture
0: that was uh, shared by lady agnes and something that i did not pick up from the minecraft live footage because they were mostly showing it in roof's uh, in the, those images is that it's not a stone brick texture it's we thought it looked a lot like uh purple bricks with the four you know the two by two cross on it but it's it's vertical it's it's a it's a vertical 50 50 split along the block yeah uh and uh, when when it's mostly stairs it looks like squares but it's not it's they're two rectangles side by side it's and sort of sort of is... like
1: a um a smooth stone double slab but on its side yeah, it
0: turned sideways yeah. yeah but but that's going to look cool um we still haven't seen it but i want to see what you know six or eight of these look stacked together and then horizontal in a, in a wall like because that could add for people that are looking for things that work better in industrial builds or futuristic builds uh having a vertical texture like that is going to help a lot
1: yeah, definitely. I've already seen some people very excited about incorporating copper into steampunk themed sort of Victorian interiors and stuff like that. So, it may be that I th- I think you could honestly make a really nice gradient starting with like the 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 full copper block at the bottom and then having it almost like, yeah, gradient yeah. itself up into the more tarnished version towards the top i think that could look very striking as like a feature wall of an interior and uh, yeah my, my builder brain just gets fired off on all cylinders whenever i look at copper now and depending on whether the textures remain or vary a little bit it will be a, uh, a pretty interesting time to see where all of that goes the other thing that i, wa- I was curious about and this just popped in my head now was um, with the bug
0: fixes and stuff that might be coming with with 116.4 I mean all good always good to have more bug fixes and i'm kind of wondering like what would you think if they had more 1.16 updates between now and 1.17 because of how far away 1.17 is uh if they had more small bug fixes no features just bugs like do you think that would be a a good way to keep you know updating the game or would you think like you're going to be happy with one last round of bug fixes hopefully soon and then we have another six months of the game as it is without any changes
1: i haven't updated past one sixteen two still because the only bug fix in one sixteen three was uh related to baby piglins duplicating items which is not something i've ever seen happen and not something i need to worry about in a single player world so unless the bug fix is particularly problematic for me and i just think yeah i need to make sure that that doesn't happen if it's something more serious like a crash or something like that then yeah i want to try and eliminate stuff like that but realistically i'm not that fussed about bug fixes at this point One sixteen two has been fairly stable for me haven't really mm-hmm. had any kind of issues with it and um as long as they aren't like major feature tweaks that i feel like i should cover uh for my tutorial series or anything i don't see needing to update that much so I think it's obviously fine if they want to keep improving the game for people, but if that comes at the cost of the development of 117, then obviously it's not the greatest thing, but right. I don't think it will be. I think at this point they have a large enough team that people can divert resources to different areas and not slow down production of something else. So mm. yeah, I, I, think, I think it's fine if they want to keep improving bugs here and there, especially as more bugs come to light with more people getting further and further into the Nether update, but sooner or later i expect some of the bugs will just be coming up as a result of new features they're trying to implement in 117 so a lot of it is going to be about play testing that and fixing whatever comes up there yeah that's
0: true uh i'm i'm hoping that they they do squ- like for me it's more about keeping an eye on what kind of stability and or performance improvement bugs are fixed because that's where i'm having the most issue um but yeah, because I can't think of anything that's like a player feature bug or something that's supposed to work that isn't working. Um, I can't. Well, although I mean, like you were talking about that that Shulker Box um, Netherite thing that that Slice live mentioned. Like that that would be a neat thing if they had happened to fix that. Um, I I I think it's really cool how early the devs are already asking for feedback. Like how long it takes for the oxidation state of copper to change and stuff like that i think it's fantastic that that even though there's this like kind of heavy sigh when you realize how far away the caves and cliffs update is but then there's also this opportunity to have slow steady and iteration on feedback from players that are excited about the the update and how um some things that you know the the course of this might change mojang might be setting out to do it one way and then realize oh we got a lot of negative feedback on that let's steer it in a different direction and ultimately i think with this kind of development with mojang being such a a unique developer with so much feedback coming from players um on game on the a version of the game that is currently being developed that i think it'll end up being an even better update in the end
1: yeah yeah i totally agree i think it's it's going to be a way to sustain the hype for it as well before we actually get hold of snapshots which i'm honestly expecting aren't going to come until next year um it's going to be it's going to be nice for the community to have feedback before we even have hands-on experience of some of these features and i think i expect the suggestions subreddit is getting lit up right now with various people suggesting you know for a start what the glow squid could do and that's something we're probably going to spin into the main discussion because we got a really great email about that A little bit later but yeah i i expect that this is going to be a really interesting time for be for the community and for the developers just seeing what resonates with people after the announcement of the update and seeing what things really need a bit of an overhaul or deeper consideration or you know what the community thinks about some of these features is going to be the kind of key point before they actually get handed out to players to test and that that in itself is going to be an exciting experience Um, Like I said, we're going to talk about the Glow Squid a little bit later, but I wanted to touch on the Skulk Sensor stuff as well because we've actually seen a couple of YouTube folks and a couple of modders get into skulk sensors already right Uh, i think you watched mumbo's video on this and i did
0: this is what i caught over breakfast this morning i was pretty much offline yesterday with a family holiday so yeah i i just didn't see anything until this morning i was like oh wow that's really cool and mumbo is the kind of you know redstone youtuber that i would very much like to see get his hands on (laughs) something like this so when um uh i believe is the youtuber that made the mod uh gave mumbo a uh, preview version and mumbo made a video about it i'm just like all right well if this is gonna operate as close to what we saw in the videos as they can muster with the information that that you know that opposec has uh i'm definitely wanting to see mumbo mess around with it and he got really excited which is always very funny uh in his videos they're always very entertaining but the some of the stuff that he was making and how he was approaching how it worked and what did and didn't work and Happy accidents that would happen, stuff like that, it was really, really cool.
1: Yeah, uh, I watched a similar video by Logical Geek Boy, a uh, friend of ours, friend of the show, uh, who's um, got a a much more. I I haven't really watched Mumbo's video, so he might go into this, but it's a fairly analytical video, just kind of showing the range of stuff, and he's already got some really interesting ideas when it comes to improving the range, which I believe was limited to five blocks, just based on what we saw in the trailers people you know the the the, sh- the skulk sensors reacting to a player being in the vicinity it was only happening within a certain radius and i presume that's what the mod maker has gone on but then logical geek boy pointed out that uh you can create a slightly broader range for it if you put a passive mob like a pig next to the skulk sensor so that it activates it by making sound and then mobs don't make sound if the player is more than 16 blocks away so it won't detect you immediately but once you get into within a 16 block range the pig can start to make noise and that can activate the skulk sensor so you've actually effectively tripled the range at which these things can hear you being there and there's some really, really interesting stuff that I hadn't even considered about these Skulk sensors. But when technical Minecrafters get their hands on it, it's just it's just something else watching those folks work. So yeah, links to both Mumbo and Logical Geek Boy's uh, videos will be in the, the show notes. I highly recommend checking them both out. Um,
0: One of the things that Mumbo said that I thought was really interesting was uh, making it uh, something that a comparator could read uh, in terms of signal strength. So increase the... Um sound sensitivity to 15 blocks much like the 15 blocks of a redstone power source and the closer you are to the um the skulk sensor the heavier the redstone output would be
1: yeah effectively like the louder the 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 louder the vibrations are that it Mm -hmm. detects then yeah the signal yeah it certainly makes a lot of sense and they seem to be calculating it based on the travel distance of particles which logical geek boy also pointed out those particles take a certain amount of time to travel so that in itself implements a kind of delay so it's not always going to be instant that you find a skulk sensor and it immediately lights up like the 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 thing takes like a second or two to to actually get to the sensor and trigger it so you're not going to be able to have sort of instantaneous effects happening in the same way that you do with you know, one-tick pulses and things like that, it's going to work a little bit differently. So that in itself is exciting, the fact that there's more timing issues to work around and and play with. Um, Outside of the Skulk sensor, modders have also been quite hard at work trying to reproduce some of the other features that were showcased, like the Warden and Axolotls and stuff like that. Uh, System Z, who is a guy I've, uh, you know, had a a loose correspondence with for a little while, um, has been working with a mod team to reproduce... Uh, a few different mobs on his channel and kind of test out the game mechanics for the first time and he had a video showcasing the warden in which he died a lot Uh, and it's kind of fun to see what it would look like not quite implemented exactly the way mojang did it with the certain you know movement stuff and we're still not entirely certain what its ai behaves like but based on the evidence we got in the trailers uh they've been able to reproduce it to the best of their ability and it's looking really interesting it's kind of fun seeing that in its environment and how scary it is to fight it up close and it seems like a a fun way of testing this stuff out before we even get hold of snapshots
0: i neglected to put this in the show notes but i did catch the uh, Exumovoid video where he went over some of the the tweets and things from the week and one of the things that he posted was a size comparison from the uh warden to an, a red star, uh, an iron golem and the Iron Golem was, like, a half a head shorter yeah. and about a block narrower. Like, the, the 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 Warden is a big model.
1: Yes. Yeah, and and it remains to be seen if that's got as big a hitbox as well. Um, I can imagine there being some pretty easy ways to get around it by, uh, you know, digging into the wall. And if it's only a certain height and a certain width, then, yeah, you're definitely going to be able to uh, to cheese it pretty easily. But it's definitely an imposing mob. And when you get it up close, yeah, it's it's pretty wild, it's, it's gonna be an interesting time to actually see how it ends up in the game at this stage and what things people have overlooked or just we just haven't seen about how Mojang plans to, uh, to implement this stuff. Before we move on to emails though, uh, let's talk about Minecraft Dungeons DLC because Obviously, this is something that interests me. Big fan of Minecraft Dungeons. Uh, I'm really happy that they're implementing cross-play uh, because people have been asking for that since launch because it was available on so many different platforms. And people, I think, used to cross-play because you can crossplay with Bedrock Edition now across basically any platform that it's available on. We also, uh, I think, didn't quite touch on this, but um, if you've got the Xbox version of Minecraft Dungeons or if you have Xbox... Uh, whatever the game pass thing is that x cloud is that what the service is called uh, you could also play on mobile as well so even though it says cross play between windows xbox one nintendo switch and ps4 i presume x cloud is included in that under either windows or xbox uh so you've got lots of different ways that you can play minecraft dungeons with somebody and uh howling peaks dlc looks cool uh, what are your first impressions of that
0: I uh, you mean you play more dungeons than i do uh and not for me disliking the game i just it's a matter of time and what what one other game i have to bring into my rotation and uh i think it looks really fun Uh, one of the things that i liked about minecraft dungeons uh, that i did play was any level that had a lot of depth of field so while the dungeons were cool i found them cooler when they had deep pits with fog and you know the redstone mines having these deep chasms that you're walking by and yeah I, i can't remember what the name of the level was where you were um the up in the sky the arch illiger's castle i can't remember what the name of that Uh, obsidian
1: pinnacle i think but yeah
0: thank you yes yeah so stuff like that where just you really felt like you're in a in a vast space as opposed to in a in a smaller level uh and it looks like most of the outside levels that we saw featured in minecraft live for the um howling peaks dlc is like that and i think i think it adds a lot of uh depth to the level from a a visual standpoint which i think is really appealing and the i think you know wind and blowing you around and nearly knocking you off um, cliffs and whether or not the goat can knock you off cliffs stuff like that it, it just looks like a lot of a lot of fun the, the only thing that i find whenever i see these trailers for minecraft dungeons uh, because i'm not currently playing it i'm currently spending a lot of time in minecraft i do kind of feel like i get spoiled when i play minecraft dungeons and i go back to regular minecraft and it's like oh right (laughs) it doesn't look like minecraft dungeons
1: yeah yeah you gotta you gotta have like you know ray tracing lighting kind of Mm. bouncing off the walls and stuff at that point uh which is not exactly freely available right now but um yeah I'm, i'm i like the way howling peaks is designed it's obviously got a different aesthetic and like pumpkin pastures you're starting to see like different leaf colors and grass colors that aren't even in vanilla Minecraft. They've got a very red kind of look to everything instead of going with a sort of pale minty blue that you normally find in mountain biomes in vanilla Minecraft. So they're, they're taking a pretty strong aesthetic departure from Minecraft, like generation, which is, is quite fun. It's good to see a little bit more color injected in here and there. And I agree with you that like having a sense of verticality I think it's especially important because for a start it's a game where you can roll into pits very easily and you can throw other enemies into pits very easily which is definitely something I've done once or twice so I think that's kind of an important mechanic to have that sense of depth in the world but also for a game where you can't really jump you can kind of roll two things and occasionally you get like a somersault move that briefly allows you to jump but it's not a game where jumping is a key mechanic. In the same way that Minecraft is, you've got to structure the levels in a very clever way so that it feels like you are climbing without really going up a block by jumping. You know, mm-hmm. so I think what they've done with the level design seems uh, seems to to fit with their existing like quality when it comes to the the verticality of these levels and showing you progressing up a peak like that.
0: And not to take anything away from from Howling Peaks, but I I was really curious about the the Nether, the end, and and the the water level. Like that, that all just looked really cool.
1: Yeah, in in the the brief look we got at the water level, you can see instead of rolling between platforms, the player kind of performs like the Riptide Trident, um, the sort of spiraling dive sort of motion which is is quite interesting because they're they're clearly thinking about the animations and how the player is going to interact in that environment i wonder if you're going to be slowed down at all by the fact that you've got water all around you or if it's still going to play at the same pace i would presume it's still going to be roughly the same because slowing things down might get a little bit tiresome for players but Mm -hmm. i mean yeah you've got the ocean you've got the nether you've got the end those are all very very strong themes I am kind of wondering if we're going to get anything in Minecraft Dungeons past the end. It sort of feels like thematically a good point to leave it, Um, and I assume they're not planning on making DLC levels for it forever. The game's been successful enough, but I don't know if unless it was an absolute smash hit, it would justify them developing it in perpetuity in the way that they do with the core Minecraft game. So Mm. I think the end seems like a good place to leave it. I also wonder if there's going to be another dlc season pass and how many of these upcoming dlcs it's going to cover because the ones that were announced at launch were uh, jungle awakens and creeping winter that was one hero edition dlc pass now they've effectively announced or you know announced one and hinted at three others so we've got four dlc coming are those going to be split up into chunks of two again or is that going to be you know more dlc bundled together in a single package um yeah, it, it does seem like they are coming out in December. So ignore what it said in the show notes earlier about November. Um, Apocalypse Plus seems fun, <laughs> and I know you were just kind of like, "No, why?" Uh, but oh, I mean, and that was kind of like, "Wink, wink." I just don't have enough practice with the game yeah, to be that good at it. So for sure, yeah, and and yeah, uh, and at this point, I think a lot of players have hit end game and are like, "Well, that's all the game really has to offer for me." So. It seems like they're planning on adding a scaling end game similar to the kind of experience people have had with Diablo, or right now I'm playing uh, the Supergiant games Hades. Uh, is That's really good and has a bunch of stuff that you can throw in after you've beaten the game a couple of times that makes it harder for you so that the power creep you experience with all of your own weapons and abilities is counterbalanced by, okay well now you can make the game a little bit tougher. And they didn't really go into what the difficulty levels of Apocalypse Plus were going to change about the game, but if it's anything like the additions they've made in daily trials where you end up with more enchanted mobs or mobs have a faster movement speed and they just start to behave in more unpredictable ways, that's what's going to introduce more difficulty to it, I think. If they're sticking with established mechanics anyway. Uh, So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And in theory, by the time we get another four chunks of DLC, that's like... 12 additional levels all of which are also going to have Apocalypse Plus right now I think there are 22 levels if you include all of the DLC so by the end of it we're going to look down the barrel of maybe 34 or 35 levels in this game as a full experience so that's definitely I think looking at a lot of people have the question like is it value for money and I really think by the end of this it's going to be a really well built out fully fledged game by the time all of the DLC is released oh and i mean i think it's worth the money now so
0: Hmm. adding stuff to it i i think just it 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 adds that that your dollar just stretches farther and farther it's it's not just a one and done i i think that you know when you add multiplayer in when you add these extra dlcs when you add the extra difficulties the um daily trials is that what they're called yeah yeah uh like there's a there's a lot to do if you're really into dungeons there's a lot to do without being i i think um too not to say bored but like you're you're not going to hit a real heavy wall i don't think yeah i think there's enough randomness in the game that those experiences especially with the daily challenges rotating like i think there's going to be enough there for people for a while
1: I think the one thing it suffers from in that respect is a comparison, a direct comparison to Minecraft, which is potentially the best value for money game ever. Mm-hmm, <laughs> considering yeah. considering the amount of time I've spent on it anyway. Yeah. Um, let's move on to talk about some emails though, because we've got a couple coming in here. One of which is actually from a, a game developer at Mojang. We had an email from Felix Jones, who works on the Java edition of the game, in response to a previous discussion we had about PSVR. And this subject is VR thoughts, and it's in reply to the Spawn Chunks 108 for anybody who wants to go back and listen to that for context and felix says uh, for me personally the compelling reason to try minecraft in vr is that it gives you a sense of scale and perspective that makes you appreciate even the most mundane builds i am yet to try bedrock vr but back in the day i played java edition vr mods uh, minecrift as a pun on the uh, the oculus rift uh, with the old oculus Dev Kit 2 I used to spend hours flying around a zoom community plot world server just watching other people build and talking to them about how grand and f- fantastic their creations are. Walking around a minecraft castle or a cathedral is just breathtaking, it's kind of humbling in a way. Suddenly this world that you thought you had so much personal attachment to is now actually surrounding you and you have a much stronger personal attachment to it. The 2D experience suddenly falls away into a flat world you're staring at through a screen. That's my experience at a rather high level. Felix Zylefian. Thank you so much for that email. And again, great to hear from a developer, but also somebody who seems to have had extensive experience with uh, VR and Minecraft. And this kind of reminded me actually of playing Minecraft Earth because even that way, looking at it through the lens of my phone, when you placed a full-size structure in a world, it was kind of striking how large everything looked. If you're looking at them from the perspective of you as a human being rather than a player on the screen and you know you can't really go up or down a block in real life in the same way that you can as a player so it's a lot harder to climb a mountain and look at your builds from a distance in augmented reality unless you have some easily accessible outdoor stairs anyway so yeah I, I think that's that's a really interesting point that it um, it sort of changes your perspective quite literally on how big everything feels when it's to your scale and that's where i
0: wonder where vr for me would be off-putting or slightly weird uh and that is that i i got a really good sense of immersion and scale uh when i first started playing minecraft because i started playing on my mac which is a 27 inch imac and you know i mean i don't i don't sit like on top of it but it's it's fairly close as far as you know um, because of the way that that it's set up on my desk and i really I had those feelings of like you're the pit of your stomach dropping when you fell off of a high, a high you know build when you were when I was first learning to play Minecraft. Like the, it really did give you that like I've hit terminal velocity before I hit the water sort of feeling, um, to the point where I used to add jumps like that on purpose into my build so that it would just I'd have that fun of jumping off of something. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I, I remember we were talking about earlier this year was how the player in Minecraft actually moves faster than the average person would walk yeah. and how that helps with the idea that these blocks are one meter by one meter. And so when you're walking through a doorway that's a meter thick, it doesn't feel like you're walking through something that's three foot thick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm wondering, like when you get into VR and you realize... Because uh, if anybody's ever tried to build a Minecraft block in real life and measure it as one meter by one meter, it is not a small thing. Like <laughs> nope. the fact that we can hold one of these in one hand and toss it around in the game, it's it's a really odd experience. And I think between that and the the POV settings uh, in, in the game, uh, for anybody that takes any screenshots and takes their POV down to like 50 or 55 compared to the, the default, which is 70... Uh, you already feel very close to everything, like it feels a little uncomfortable. And I kind of wonder whether in VR, uh, if in that first person on the ground feeling, um, some things just start to feel really large. Like when the smallest tree is a really large tree, you know, um, when bamboo is as big around as your leg, you know, <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm wondering what that experience might be. But I think that's a really cool point to make in that... Um, because of that flat kind of like panel uh you, you don't have that sense of of immersion and i i do really think that minecraft vr for me would be more of an experience i don't know that i would want to play it like all that all the time but i think it would be really cool you imagine some of these builds by like um what's it's elysium fire is that yeah the? Yeah, yeah yeah like they built some immaculate stuff and to walk through one of their like you know italian towns or their cyberpunk thing in vr would just be bananas especially if you combine vr down the line with um ray tracing
1: yeah yeah definitely that that's what i was talking about i think in the uh the previous episode was how much the future of minecraft might end up being in vr with rtx and and seeing you know ray tracing graphics and the realism that that brings combined with the realism of actually standing in your own minecraft world and it it sort of brings me back again to um reading about um the narrator's experience in minecraft the island and realizing you know there's a certain amount of existential horror when they realize the world around them is entirely made of blocks because it's sort of implied that they have somehow ended up there from our world and you know all of the sort of memory they have of what things should be like is, uh, you know suddenly everything is made of cubes, and they, they hopefully that isn't a side effect of playing Minecraft in VR for too long, <laughs> is that you're like wait a second, the world is entirely made of blocks, and yeah, yeah and and yeah, there's there's definitely some different perspective. No pun intended. To be found oh, from yeah. <laughs> from playing uh, playing Minecraft in VR. I I, I noticed that um, that
0: Felix did not mention what it feels like to be confronted with a nine foot ten inch Enderman. <laughs>
1: Y- yes uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's another consideration is uh yeah how tall uh, alistair in our live chat was wondering how tall the warden would be in real life if steve was two meters i'm thinking yep that's that's not something i ever want to encounter in vr that's like playing now we are definitely playing a horror game
0: yeah absolutely uh thanks again for the email felix uh next email comes from raymond d or pincho Kun. 13 I hope I'm pronouncing that right Uh, glow squids and the warden speaking of the warden hello Joel and Johnny thank you for covering the recent Minecraft live I was wondering if there were if you were surprised by the vote for the glow squid and if that could be an indication of classic Minecraft players wanting to uh, more entities that enrich the world environments versus another hostile mob FYI my vote was for the glow squid as well for this reason Having said that, I'm very excited for the Warden as much as you both are, but I'm hoping that there will be some kind of incentive to keep it alive. For example, maybe there is a mechanic where the Warden interacts with Skulks for their growth. The addition of wool socks could be a funny uh, addition that helps the player sneak around the Warden, a compromise to your armor, similar to when wearing Elytra and trade for a chestplate. Thanks again for your great podcast and looking forward to the next one uh and there's an included um i guess concept of wool socks <laughs> which, I found, <laughs> yeah. which i found kind. Of, the image is quite funny we'll have that included in the show notes as well um i i'll say i'm not surprised that the glow squid run uh won um maybe a little surprised that the bloom didn't <laughs> not that i wanted it to win uh but i kind of felt that the way that they had set things up it was basically going to be whatever was the cutest was probably going to run away with it um, so in a way, I guess I'm relieved that it's the glow squid and not the moo bloom, uh, knowing that I, uh, along with you, Johnny, we're voting for the ice oliger, uh against the tide <laughs> as it was happening. Yeah. Um, I think people just wanted something shiny. Uh, I think that that's maybe the demographic that vote for these things, or that, or that the vote appeals to. Um, I would be surprised though that um. The people that did vote for the glow squid are, if they're not crossing their fingers for something a little bit extra,
1: yes, uh, rather no, than definitely. having
0: it just be a, a squid, and we'll get into this in a little bit. Um, if they don't get it. I am anticipating that there will also be a loud complaint against the glow squid uh, from the people who voted for it. So yeah. I think that um, there is an opportunity, I think, and it's good that, that as we mentioned already, Mojang is taking a lot of feedback from the community. So when they eventually ask for feedback on the glow squid, I hope everybody's constructive and, and has some cool ideas and hopefully they'll listen and have it not just be, you know, a squid. Um, I think the warden um, is a bit too hostile to be something that you want to keep around i think that's just going to be crazy dangerous and i'd be at that as hard as it hits i don't think that would be something that would be very easy to manage for having it um grow skulk blocks faster however i like the idea of growing skulk blocks faster not just collecting it and moving it somewhere i think you mentioned last episode that you thought that maybe it could be something that requires dark to grow as opposed to requiring light to grow Mm -hmm. um we we've mentioned that the the skulk blocks um they sort of look like end colors very end portal block very enderpearl very you know that kind of well i guess yeah yeah enderpearls default color for enderpearls is, is <laughs>
1: you have purple enderpearls i've don't got you? purple so, enderpearls yeah. so i had
0: to do a double check on my brain yeah, yeah. yeah. so the but the the, the end, end stuff is typically kind of greenish um so having maybe maybe if you moved skulk blocks to the end they grow faster that would be cool uh, they would certainly match things uh for once in the end. Um and if maybe even enderpearls could somehow be, I don't know, composted or like do, anything that you could if you could use enderpearls for fertilizer for skulk blocks, I think that would be really it'd be a neat idea. And it would be a use for the 1,675,903 enderpearls I currently have on the server. So <laughs> yes,
1: definitely. <laughs> like it might it might be fun in that way. You can kind um, of like but yeah, melt I, them down or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like there's 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 some potential for things that Exist in Minecraft do not require the devs to add a new item, but add a new feature or new use for an existing item. To then even reach into items that they know are not used by players that much and reintroduce them.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I think it's it's a good way of developing stuff that has previously, if not been underdeveloped, then has traditionally occupied a certain space in player consciousness, and that's yeah keeps it fresh. If you end up you know throwing some some new uses into old items the the example i always come back to is how the campfire was later implemented as a way to smoke out beehives when you needed to move those around and the campfire was previously fairly functional in itself as a way to cook food and produce smoke and that kind of stuff but it just adds to the value of things that have been added into the game previously um Yeah, I I, I have a couple of uh, ideas going on with the Warden in particular. Wondering if maybe, and this is like a slightly gross angle on it, but what if the Skulk sensors are cultivated by the warden in a sense in that they're like shed parts of the warden because they kind of look like the top of the warden's head and so maybe Mm -hmm. if it sheds its skin like a snake and just like leaves these blocks lying around and that's how you end up farming skulk sensors instead of instead of just finding them or having them grow naturally. So maybe that's a reason to keep the warden alive. I don't know. I am I'm definitely gonna be trying to keep the warden alive myself anyway because I just like him. But (laughs) aside from that that would be a neat idea. Like if, if the antlers
0: for the warden are essentially seeds and he's less of a mob and more of a plant monster, like a swamp thing.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. A swamp thing is definitely the, uh, the vibe I get a shambling mound as he is right now. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the addition of wool socks. I did think it would be good to have if not like a new type of armor, then a decent armor enchantment that could maybe muffle your footsteps around the warden if it's going to attack you when it hears you. And I do kind of agree that with what you were saying about the the skulk stuff being kind of having an affinity of sorts with the end, I think it also comes down to the mechanics we're used to from mobs in the end. If you think about the way endermen behave, they don't like you to look at them, and then the warden is something that doesn't, like doesn't want you around if you're making noise and so i think yeah that there's there's room in the end for mechanics to branch out into like weird and interesting forms of physics it feels like so i feel like the skulk stuff does have that sort of affinity with the end even if it isn't found there or even if the end doesn't really have much in the way of you know additional mechanics to add to it um as far as the glow squid stuff goes and uh if we were surprised by the vote for the glow squid i was surprised like you joel i i kind of i called it for the moo bloom before we started the show and then the moo bloom was the first to go um but i do kind of agree with people's reactions to the isologer and i feel like the isologer was the strongest mob in that it had both the strongest arguments against it and the strongest arguments for it uh being that it was Mm -hmm. the one we knew Mm -hmm. the most about but was also going to be another hostile mob experience like the phantom which you know previously people voted for but then has ended up being a a a bit more of a controversial figure we won't say hated but it's definitely inconvenienced a lot of players and then you know people not wanting a repeat of something like that where they add something to the game that they later end up regretting but also it being a mob that spawns in mountain biomes and people being more interested in seeking out mountain biomes but being put off by the fact that something hostile would start spawning there so I feel like the arguments for and against the Isologer were pretty balanced, and as for the arguments for and against the Glow Squid, I really feel like the argument against it was, we don't really know what this does, and from the trailer, it doesn't really do all that much, and the arguments for it are, well, this is now a blank canvas. This is something that, as players, we can project our own wishes on and then see what Mojang picks up on and see what they're interested in implementing. So that's what we're going to talk about for our main discussion this week. Uh, our thoughts and feelings on the glow squid at present predictions for how it could be made into a mob that as survival players we would find good and useful and a little bit more feedback on that i so as it stands right now uh
0: i'm i'm pretty meh on the glow squid and <laughs> i mean same it, yeah but it has potential but we're also dealing with the existing track record of zombie variants like drowned which while funny don't really add much to the game i mean they have the tridents but like they don't they're they don't operate much different than a a regular zombie in terms of you know they didn't add a mer person you know like they didn't add something with a fish tail or or anything really unique they just kind of took another zombie variant but i I think maybe other things like husks and and things like that are another good example i also and this is You know personal but i don't really find the villager variants all that enticing they've got different hats and stuff but it doesn't Uh really blow my mind um the little animated spot suggests that the glow squid could entrance the player with maybe mobility slow or freeze and that could add a slight danger to oceans similar to how magma block bubble columns pull players down and disrupt your boat travel yeah um, it's not hard to deal with once you know it's there but for some people that are early to the game and new to minecraft it actually is like kind of not disorienting but certainly um off-putting when you're traveling along a boat and all of a sudden you're out of it and you're being pulled underwater like that's not a good feeling when you've got nothing but like the scraps of leather armor that you've picked up from chests in your first you know few nights in the game Um, so I think that having something like that that could add a little bit of um, not not something that attacks you but something that provides an environmental hazard that you then have to either avoid or deal with and expect uh, that kind of thing so not like guardians where they will hone in on you and physically attack you but just a zone near a glow squid where like if you get close there could be something like that Um, so yeah I there's not a whole lot to it the um, they never showed anything um, from any of these mobs outside of the uh, Moobloom, which is already in Minecraft Earth, uh, in terms of what it might look like in the game. Uh, so yeah, I just I I don't know really what else to expect other than just another squid.
1: Yeah, um, I'm kind of indifferent to the Glow Squid right now, um, but I think there are many ways that it could be worth seeking out once the update arrives, and it really depends on Any ideas mojang had for it internally that they were keeping a secret for the mob vote itself so as not to influence people in one way or the other or what the community suggests that mojang thinks is worth running with um i think it's worth noting that they have confirmed through various places i'm afraid i don't have sources for this so sorry for the lack of sources here uh, they don't want the squid to emit light itself as it roams around in the world because dynamic lighting is not a feature of vanilla minecraft even though some folks may be familiar with it from optifine um i would assume that that is largely because they don't want to deal with lighting either affecting mob spawning or confusing players who think it did affect mob spawning right so like in dy- dynamic lighting with optifine if you throw a torch on the ground as an item uh, as you if you just drop it with q it's still produces light in an aura around it but that's not necessarily in-game block light that is just a cosmetic light that optifine has added same with firing a flaming arrow across a ravine you will see the you know the light travel with it but that doesn't then light up the other end of the ravine so stuff doesn't spawn so i expect mojang is probably trying to simplify it for players who need to understand that placed light blocks in the world are what blocks mob spawns and anything else doesn't produce natural light so you don't get that confusion. Uh, They also have said that the bit in the animated trailer about the squid hypnotizing people was kind of being played as a joke, it wasn't planned as a feature, Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't have an environmental effect like you said, you know, it could be a brief burst of nausea or something like that because so far... The only other stuff that causes nausea is pufferfish and um, I guess the, the effect you get when you're traveling through a nether portal, right? It kind of gives right. you a, a little bit of screen wobble for a second, which isn't necessarily hypnosis, explicitly speaking, but could still be an effect that the glow squid could have. Um, there are a bunch of other things that I think it could do, so I'm going to lay out a couple for you here and see what you think. Uh, I think the most obvious one is to have it drop something useful. Um, bonus points if that's a light source. Um, one of the kind of maybe further reaching but in the ideal scenario for me would be that it either gives you access to some sort of luminous or even like almost black light kind of dye to make something almost like a day glow version of the colors that we already have or it could change the color of enchantment glow which is something that I've Mm. talked about really wanting in the past cosmetically and something that's been added by mods like Quark in the past so if you end up with some sort of glowing thing that you can then apply to any color of dye to get glowing red and then you apply glowing red to your armor and suddenly it's glowing a red color instead of purple for enchantment, I really like that idea. So if the glow squid was going to do something like that, then 100% on board at that stage. But again, that's, that's purely projection and speculation at this stage. Um, other things I was thinking it could do as far as being an environmental thing. If it's not going to have a negative effect on players, it could have a net gain for players if it distracted the drowned so that they don't attack you. Maybe the drowned are more drawn to its glow as like, you know, forgotten sailors or whatever that have zombified and come back to life. If maybe they get distracted by glow squid and you could either use that as a, a mechanic to lure them into the center of a farm without having to put a villager underwater if you could capture a glow squid for that which might be a challenge in and of itself uh, or alternatively you could use it to you know swim towards a glow squid and have the drowned that are following you with tridents be distracted and give yourself a chance to get away hmm i like that idea actually
0: it um reminds me of um like a bug's life you know you've got like the little moth the bug light where the, the yeah little cartoon moth is just like i can't help it he's flying towards the light mm-hmm. um almost like an angler fish you know yeah the, there's there's the, the, the scene in, in
1: finding nemo where they end up following an anglerfish light for oh, a while and right. then it yeah, turns yeah. into like a horrifying chase sequence <laughs> so yeah like but, but having that kind of effect on things like if they if they want to take the hypnosis thing to a slightly different angle they could have it maybe uh have a little bit of benefit to players in the same way that finding stuff like dolphins is of mild benefit to players and axolotls are going to help you raid ocean monuments so maybe the glow squid is a team player as well i don't know we'll see
0: yeah and i think that that idea of a glow squid affecting mobs like the drowned could affect maybe drowned farms you know like if you wanted to get tridents or or whatever um, if you had the glow squid constantly pulling drowns toward it, if you were a technical player, there's probably be a way to to do that. Uh, how do you how do you transport squid? Like if we end up liking the glow squid and we want them in an aquarium or something like that, what would be the best way to do it in a boat? I guess.
1: Uh, probably yes. Although I think squids still have to stay in water; otherwise, they start taking suffocation damage. Right. On on Bedrock Edition, I believe you can leash them. On Java Edition, you can't. And so ah. the only ways I've seen people transport squid recently has been a very brief minecart trip. Uh, right. and, and then if, if it goes over land, it has to be back in the water as quickly as possible. Otherwise it takes too much damage and suffocates. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, so yeah, they're going to be kind of like a product of their environment and maybe not something you can move that, that easily. Um, which is too bad because we know now that... Um, squid they'll spawn in river biomes and they'll spawn in oceans yeah um but uh i guess i mean if you're building something you could always build something over you know build a spawning area over a river biome and then remove them from there and kind of have like, your own little squid farm we do i do that now for ink sacs. yeah um, I, be- so if-
1: I believe in the trailer they said they were going to be in deep oceans specifically yes. so yeah yeah, you're looking at going pretty far out. I don't know if they would spawn in rivers with the rest of the squid. But mm. um... but um, I remember
0: Lady Agnes mentioning, uh, not as a feature, but as a, ooh, that could be a potential, um, because they were reacting to the glow squid, winning the mob vote, saying, well, what, what about glow squids being found in cave lakes and, and the you know cave cl- cave yes, yes, update yes. you know kind of cave like so th- those would either be i guess maybe caves under the ocean or or maybe she meant there'd be a specific type of biome where the the glow
1: squid could maybe spawn inland but only in caves yeah, if they're like that, if they're in dripstone sense. caves or something like that yeah, yeah that would that would yeah. certainly make sense and you do really wish that they would just provide ambient light to the area because mm-hmm. finding your way into a dripstone cave and having the glow from the nearby water being you know out there and I expect that's the kind of thing that modders will put into the game if they feel like it's worth adding so like you know anybody who's still playing with Optifine at that stage is going to find maybe dynamic light comes from the glow squid and that's going to enhance the experience for them but it's still not something that's going to be uh delivered in vanilla mm-hmm. um what about you Joel do you have anything that you think really would make the glow squid a more valuable proposition for you well if you're going to add something new to the game uh
0: I would really want them to make a different model uh for the glow squid compared to the squid uh because i from a character design standpoint i really feel like silhouette tells a lot especially in video games uh and in murky situations in in the ocean where you're trying to tell a regular squid from a glow squid i think just just the texture alone if it's not going to emit any light is not going to be enough um or also just a good opportunity to maybe like well try to improve the squid model you know um make it a little bit different make it bigger you know why not make it a different size uh, it's going to be in the deep ocean. It has room to be a larger model, uh, especially if it's not going to be spawning in rivers where the derpy pathing animation of squids just have them headbutting the shore constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find the the squid right now is a mm, appealing Minecraft derpy character. I find that there's something that pulls me out of the the game where like I see them underneath my medieval bridge, you know, swimming horizontally into the ground, and I just kind of roll my eyes like, oh, Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it's not it doesn't uh, it doesn't help the immersion you know where uh the opposite is true of salmon in rivers and having fish in in different biomes like it actually adds to the immersion like oh cool you like you cross a river you look down there's fish swimming around and so that i find is 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 plenty different um i really feel that they could do something more with with the model uh i'm kind of crossing my fingers that that you know um ambient light or not ambient light but um emissive light actually does make it into minecraft natively uh hopefully they give people options to turn it on and off but like if it's there and impossible in the native game i think that that would be an excellent way to go um i think a unique drop is what this glow squid is going to need to to make it be something like where people will actually perk up and be like oh okay so like you've added not just a new mob but but something into the game and like you i'm hoping that it's got something to do with a light source block either a new light source block a new light source material or something that you could then add to light sources to to change them uh, i don't know what that would mean maybe it would make it darker you know in the same way that um soul fire lanterns and, and soul fire torches um have a lower light level than, than a yeah. regular lantern mm-hmm. um maybe give us something lower still you know so it's not going to do anything against mob spawns but when you want something moody that would be cool something moody um, to
1: light up your caves with again yeah like if, exactly if you're, gonna, you're gonna have like a little bit of that like mm-hmm. you know light off the dappled water kind of like casting light up on the wall and just have like you know almost like underfloor lighting coming up from certain areas in in that sort of like faint glowy sort of cave way i think would be really good mm-hmm. if, you, if you got a light source that gave off like a light level of five or something i think that'd be yeah. perfect for it
0: yeah exactly now I think that they could also not just add a glow squid. Like if you're going to add the glow squid to the deep oceans, why not add something unique around it and have it feel like less of plopping a new mob into Minecraft and maybe give it an environment where it makes sense that that's where it lives in the same way that you've got the uh, crimson forests uh, and the warped forests in the nether and the things that you find there make sense Uh, having some, maybe some bioluminescent plants or some sort of even even if it changes like particle effects they've been doing a lot with these particle effects we saw it in the cave in cliffs update we saw a lot of it in the nether update uh so if you find a glow squid in the deep ocean and then there's like i don't know maybe phytoplankton or something around it that you know mojang likes to do educational stuff about the environment having some bioluminescent stuff in the ocean would be very cool it would look great uh, and it could provide some some education as to what actually is around in the oceans in the real world. So that, that kind of stuff could add, you know, playability to the game. Imagine if there's some sort of, there is some sort of bioluminescent seaweed or kelp that you have to harvest, and then combining that with whatever the squid drops is what gets you the thing that you want from, from that. So it's not just a matter of another squid farm. You have to do something else, make a little bit more effort for the player for that time in, effort in, reward out that they always talk about.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: One of the things that I, I do want to mention quickly before we move on, and that is uh, Jumbo Sale in our live chat mentioned that uh, Glow Squids giving night vision when you're nearby them <laughs> could be kind of cool. Right. Underwater. That's I, I thought that was a neat idea.
1: Yeah, I, I think with conduits and stuff and, and changing up how the you know, the the underwater visibility works. I think they were trying to move away from players using night vision, but it does have that kind of illuminating effect in that it, it sort of brightens the environment rather than making it possible to see more clearly now. So I think that's actually a pretty decent idea. If it stays implemented the way night vision currently works, then it definitely feels like the environment would be uh, a little brighter. So yeah, a lot of stuff to think about really. Like the glow squid has hidden depths, I think, and we'll wait and see how many of those depths are uncovered or whether they all just sink to the bottom but that is going to be it for this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today at the The music for the show is composed by me, and as we said at the top of the show, The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in. You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, gets you access to the render distance, and gets us closer to our next goal, which is having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout with our patrons. Every month we just sit down and chat about whatever we've all been doing in Minecraft. We're currently at 214 patrons in the community, which is an increase from last week. And special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken7, General Patton82, Greener Cannock, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support on this episode.
0: One of the other things that you get as a patron of the Spawn Chunks is access to the quarterly hangout. We recorded our third quarterly hangout this year on Saturday, and that is where we give you some behind the scenes looks as to what the Spawn Chunks is doing on the charts in terms of downloads and what we're planning for the future. And we take uh, listener feedback and, and um, information from the chat as well. So that is up on the Patreon uh, page for patrons only. Spreading the word about the podcast is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. Just tell a friend about it. Say, hey, you should listen to this and then tell them where they can find it. One of the places you can find the Spawn Chunks is on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You can also email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music as well now. Uh, Leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. That's the easiest way for strangers to find the podcast and the RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patreon only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast.
1: My name is Johnny but online I go by PixelRiffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com/pixelriffs where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream 3 days a week on Twitch doing behind the scenes work for the Survival Guide series and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at PixelRiffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online?
0: Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. Links to social media and links to other podcasts I do, like the Citadel Cafe, are there there as well. And you can find that at thecitadelcafe.com. This past week, we talked about Enola Holmes' uh, latest movie from Netflix, and it was very good. If you can uh, stomach social media these days, you can find me at joelduggan. And of course, joelduggan
1: on twitch.tv slash joelduggan. Thanks for visiting the spawn chunks, the world outside is infinite. Shine on, you crazy glow squid.